You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. My name's Tom, I lead the team here at Hope Church. And uh, we've had quite a significant week as a church for a few reasons really, but um, one of them is that this week, you may have seen in the newspaper that planning permission has been granted uh, for Hope Church to be able to uh, take on the former Odeon building in the centre of town. This is a huge answer to prayer. This is enormous. And uh, there's a few weeks that remain whereby that decision could be challenged. Um, But once that period is over, it's a short period, we will seek to complete on the purchase and then the fun really begins. And so uh, I just want to say thank you for your prayers, but let's keep praying. Let's keep asking God uh, not just for this building, but for all that he wants to do uh, in Ipswich and in this area. Um, one of the most astonishing things, I think, is um, the favour we have had with the local authority. Um, we've been praying for this. This has been one of the things we've been specifically praying for. I've stood here a number of times on a Wednesday evening, evening at a prayer and vision night and said, we want to pray for favour with the council and a wonderful lady called Liz, who I hope that you'll get to meet soon, is a counsellor in the town here. Um, she stood up for us on Wednesday and gave it her all to support this church. I don't even know if she knows Jesus, but she is a wonderful lady. And uh, uh, she forfeited her vote in the planning committee so that she could vouch on behalf of our church because she sees what we're wanting to do here. She sees that we're for Ipswich. We want to see this town flourishing and it wants to get behind that. Isn't that good? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And uh, so I'm convinced that uh, God is going to do incredible things through this church. I'm really convinced that we're going to see many, many hundreds of people, maybe thousands of people, come to know Jesus in that building and through ministries that we operate in that building, uh, through Alpha courses that we'll run there, and through uh, the witness that we bear, having been encouraged and equipped as we've gathered for worship. I really believe that. I really believe that God has... Uh, huge things for us as a church. This town really, really needs Jesus. This, he is, Tim said it earlier, he is the answer. He is the answer. And uh, this nation needs Jesus. This nation has turned its back on Jesus. And when a nation turns its back on God, it becomes self-worshipping, worship self rather than God. That's what we do when we don't worship God. We ultimately worship self And it leads to the weak and the vulnerable being cast aside and crushed, doesn't it? We see it in this nation. I was heartbroken at the vote on abortion last week in Ireland. I know that that ship's long since sailed in this country. But I was heartbroken at the celebration of what was supposedly a progressive agenda. You know, there's been nine million abortions in the UK in the last 50 years. That's twice the population of Ireland. When a nation turns its back on God, the weak and the vulnerable get cast aside. The elderly get cast aside. Young people get exploited and roped into gangs. This week we were praying, uh, we were in a conference in London, we were praying at one point for London, where there has been a 600% rise in knife crime since the beginning of the year. Uh, There's more knife crime in London than there is in New York, which is like triple the population. And I don't know if you saw the news yesterday afternoon that in Ipswich, less than half a mile from my house where I live, a 17-year-old boy was stabbed to death. 
Come, Lord Jesus. We need Jesus to come in our town in a big way, don't we? And he will. (laughs) Praise God, he will. We really need him to move in great power. We really need to be stirred to prayer as a church that he will come in great power. And we really need to be his hands and his feet in this town. And And listen, the whole deal with the Odeon is simply so that we can introduce more and more people to Jesus. That's the whole deal with it. That really is. It's, it's nothing more than that. We want to see thousands come to know Jesus. And I believe we can see that. I believe we will see that in the years to come. And I want to call each one of us um, this morning. I want to keep to call each one of us into the mission of God. Because he's about a great mission. Sometimes we get caught up thinking, what's God's will for my life? What does he want for me? Well, he's made it very, very clear. And we're just going to spend... 10 minutes or so just in his word this morning, uh, just seeing what it is that he clearly says to us. The mission has not changed. It doesn't change as we move into the Odeon next year or whenever that might be. The mission doesn't change. It's always been the same. If you have a Bible with you, turn to Matthew chapter 28. If you haven't gone out, young people, it's time to go out now. Um, Well done for being so patient um, with us. Matthew chapter 28. I want you just to picture this for a moment. These disciples, there's 11 disciples remaining at this point. And they have just witnessed Jesus be brutally tortured. They've seen him being whipped. They've seen him have a crown of thorns placed on his head. They've seen him being mocked by thousands of people, carrying a cross in agony uh, up the, the hill. And they've seen him gasping for breath on the cross. They've seen him completely devastated by the sin of the world. And then they've seen him laid down in a tomb with a massive boulder covering it and guards that would put the fear of death into all of us if we were to come into contact with them, they've just seen Jesus utterly defeated in their view, utterly defeated. He has breathed his last. They've thrust a spear into his side to make sure he's utterly dead. And then these ladies go and attend to his tomb. And Jesus appears to these ladies and says, go tell my brothers to go to Galilee. This is verse 10 of chapter 28, and there they will see me. And so just a few verses later, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Can you imagine seeing Jesus, who a couple of days before was being brutally tortured and executed, and suddenly he's there. It's him. He's alive. Fell at his feet, worshipped him. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Let's just pause there for a moment. This Jesus, who had been uh, put to death by professional executioners in the most brutal death that one could ever possibly die, is now risen from the dead. Not only is he risen from the dead, he's managed to get out of the tomb. 
And now he's standing before them and he's saying, I have all authority in the universe. I am in charge of all things. Nothing happens except that I allow it to happen. <laughs> I, com- I have all the resources in the universe at my disposal. I am in complete control. <laughs> this is what they would have understood. I have all authority. I have all authority. Let that sink in for a moment. There's no kind of um, debate about this one. Jesus is in complete authority. He sits on the throne of the universe. And he's saying, I'm in complete control. These disciples who thought two days ago that he was completely out of, like he had no control, that he was just at the disposal of the Romans. These disciples who looked upon him a couple of days before and thought, this guy, well, we, we had high hopes about him, but he didn't, he didn't really put up much of a fight, did he? He's saying, I am in complete control. Now, whatever he says next, you do it, right? <laughs> when you see the risen king, you do it. You do it because he's in complete control. And no matter what he calls you to do, when you see this king, you trust that he's going to give you the resources to do what he's asking you to do. And that nothing that you fear has, doesn't, it doesn't even compare to this king of authority who's standing before you. So what, what does he say next? He says this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He says, go. He says to us this morning, go. In light of who I am, in light of my kingship, in light of my authority, in light of the fact that I'm in charge of all things, he says, go. And this morning, I believe there's two types of going that he would have us do. For some, it's you might literally have to pack up your things and go to another town or city or nation that he's sending you to. And it might be that that is in a few years' time and you're preparing for that in the coming years. It might be a bit more imminently than that. But he's saying to you, you, you literally have to go. You, I, I've put this on your heart and you have to do this because I'm in all authority. And I, I just believe that there are some here this morning that you know that your long-term uh, destiny is not in Ipswich. And that's a very brave thing for a pastor to say up front. Because I don't want anyone to go deep down. I don't want anyone to go because I'm thinking, I love you all. I want to be, want to be together as a family. But at the same time, I know that Jesus has said that we must go. And we're about filling the whole earth with his glory. In Mark uh, chapter 16, we see a slightly different uh, take of this great commission. Jesus says to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. So there is a sense that for some of us here, you will need to go and we would love to send you. Please, if you have an inkling of this sending in your heart, this is a a morning this morning where I believe that God 
wants to start to put down the accelerator pedal a little bit. You, you know what, it's going to happen one day. We're going to move somewhere for God's glory one day. We're going to go to a different nation. We're going to go and maybe join a church plant. Maybe we're going to go and spearhead a church plant. This morning, I believe God wants to put his foot on the accelerator a little bit and say, okay, let's start to walk this through together. And we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to pray with you. There's going to be opportunity to pray at the end of this meeting. I'm going to be there. A number of other people are going to be there because we want to pray with you and just start to see uh, the, the acceleration pedal put down. It doesn't mean you're going to go tomorrow. It doesn't mean you're going to go next week or next month. You know, that God's preparation is, is, it sometimes takes time. But listen, there'll be some of us who will go from here. And that is not an easy thing for me to say because I have a pastoral heart and I want to have a big family here and all be family. But Jesus says, Go. Go into the whole world. And there's many, many towns and cities and nations that he'd have us reach from this church. The second type of going are those that simply need a fresh commissioning to go where we are, to go with the gospel where we are, in our places of influence, in our workplaces, in our places where we study, in our, uh, in our social groups that we would have a fresh commissioning to go with the good news. That's what we go with. We go with the gospel. We go with the gospel that we celebrated this morning, that Jesus came to live the perfect life that we couldn't live, to die the death in our place that was necessary for our forgiveness, that he rose again, that he is in all authority. That's the good news. And so I believe there's a fresh commissioning uh, for some of us this morning to go to make disciples. That looks like sharing the gospel. It looks like living an example as well. One story that I want to share from this week, I was at a leadership conference in London, and we were hearing uh, from a couple who have been pioneering into Poland for the last 10 years and haven't seen, they haven't seen huge success in the world's eyes, as it were. There's still some 30 or 40 people, but they have seen many people come to know Jesus. They've been obedient to God's call. And it hasn't been glamorous. It hasn't been easy. And they shared a story about how three years ago um, they were reaching out to their neighbor. In fact, they had been reaching out to their neighbor for a number of years. And she had said to them, I don't know how you can believe in God when he allows such suffering. It's all very well worshiping God, believing in God when life's going well. But how you can believe in God when he allows such suffering. And... They were just sharing with her how God is always worthy of praise. He's always good, even in the difficulties. And uh, they had a baby boy a few years ago, about three years ago. And he was born with a serious uh, health condition. And he wasn't given much time to live. And um, seven months later, he died and they buried him. And it was at that point where their neighbor became a Christian. Because she saw in them an incredible witness of trust in God, even when life wasn't rosy. So through their example, as well as their words, they saw this lady become a Christian, putting her faith in God, even when it was really, really difficult, because they worshipped God through the thick and thin. So making disciples looks like words, yes, but it looks like example as well. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. 
Listen, I want to just, for one minute, exhort you, if you haven't been baptized, get baptized. I'm, uh, I've seen this morning a couple of heroes of mine who really honored God in this way a couple of years ago, had been Christians for years, and you know, clearly had met God, but hadn't been baptized because that just wasn't the church um, teaching where they were. And they came to this church and they heard Morris going on a rant, as he often does. And he just in one comment said, in one comment said, you know, don't delay getting baptized, get baptized. Because this is what Jesus commands us to do. And in front of all of their friends, they got baptized. Even though their friends must have thought, well, surely this was a few years ago this happened for you. They got baptized. They wanted to obey God. It says in Mark chapter 16, when Jesus is giving this commission to his disciples, he says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. There is a a natural pairing of believing and being baptized. They come together. Baptism isn't some sort of deluxe package. It's not the deluxe Christian package. I want to urge you, if you haven't been baptized, and if you believe in Jesus, to get baptized. And we'll do it wherever you want. We'll do it in the sea. We'll do it in your bath if it's big enough. We'll do it here on a Sunday. We'll do it. We'll do it because Jesus says, believe and be baptized. It's really simple. And that is such a powerful demonstration of my old life is gone. I live to new life now. I'm dead to what I used to be. I'm now alive. And you might have been a Christian for one day. You might have been a Christian for 10 years be baptized. Be baptized. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. We must teach what Jesus has commanded us to do. We must help people to see that Jesus' commandments, they're really for our good. They're really for our good. Yet when you see the risen Jesus, of course you obey him. Thinking, wow, this, <laughs> I can't not obey Jesus. He's just risen from the dead. But also his commandments are for human flourishing. His way is the best way. His way really is the best way. His ways are much higher than ours. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to obey his word. This is his word. Friends, this is his word. If we're disciples of Jesus, we will look to his word and say, we're going to obey this, even if it's hard, even though I don't understand it. These New Testament uh, commands that we read, these are for us to obey. And sometimes Jesus' disciples, they went away saying, this was a hard teaching. This is a hard teaching. What do we do with this? I just want to major on this last line here. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We don't really say behold much, do we? Behold. Behold, I'm doing a preach. Behold, you're sitting on some chairs. No, we don't, we don't uh, say that much. It sounds a bit religious, doesn't it? It sounds a bit old school. Jesus is saying, take note. Take note. Remind yourself. Look for me in every situation. Look for what I'm doing. He's saying, be assured. He's saying, he's saying don't forget. Never forget this. I am with you always until the end of the age. I am with you. Behold. (laughs) It doesn't really do it justice, but he's saying, listen up. I'm with you. I am with you. This is who's with you, friends. Revelation chapter 1. This is the risen Jesus. This is, Jesus is one of his closest disciples, John, who John 
John leaned on Jesus' shoulders at this last supper when they had it together, when they ate the bread and the wine. John sort of reclined on Jesus and sort of snuggled up with him a bit. This, they were good mates, right? This is John now. He has a vision of Jesus. I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. This was years after Jesus had risen from the dead and had ascended to heaven. John's an old man now. He's probably like 70 or 80. Think John... Big beard, sitting down, God comes to him. I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs on his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. Have you ever been to a waterfall? It's deafening. His voice is like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. The sun is a relatively modest star, and it heats us up. It causes us to go pink. (laughs) He held seven stars in his hand. I think you're probably thinking of little cardboard things that your kids might bring home from some sort of craft that go in the bin straight away. I did just, I did just say that, didn't I? It doesn't always happen. Maybe that's what you're thinking of, though. Maybe that's what you're thinking of. He's holding seven stars in his hands. This is Jesus. <sighs> From his mouth comes a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. And when I saw him, this is what John says, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, fear not. This is what Jesus is saying to you right now. Fear not, I am the first and the last. And the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Jesus says, Fear not, I was dead, but now I am alive. This is who is with us. This is who says, Behold, I am with you until the end of the age. This is the one who holds seven stars in his hands, whose eyes are like fire, who has a sharp sword coming out of his mouth, who we read about later in Revelation of riding on a horse with a tattoo on his leg saying, King of kings and Lord of lords, coming to proclaim the victory that he has won. This is who we worship, friends. This is who we worship. This is who is with us. And so we can go and make disciples of all nations because he is with us and he is in all authority. And nothing we fear compares in any way to the greatness of Jesus. Nothing compares to him. Nothing compares to him. And so in this series that has got off to a bit of an odd start because we've just basically just ranted for a few minutes. In this series, we're going to be encouraging you. What's the next step for you? What's the next step for you? This series is called Go. What's the next step for you? It might be today you need to tell someone, God has put a nation on my heart. I don't know whether I'm going to go there, whether I'm just to pray for it, or whether I'm going to go there short term on a, on a trip. I don't know, but I just need to tell someone. 
Or it might be that you just know you've got a fear within. There's some big fear gripping you when it comes to making disciples. And tell someone. Get someone to pray with you. Bury your mind in these kind of verses about who Jesus is. Let that fear melt away as you, as you focus on the King of Kings, as you focus on him. It might be today that you know the next step for you is to get baptized because you're just looking at the risen King and you're thinking, I've got to do whatever he tells me to do. Because <laughs> he was dead and now he's alive. I've got to do whatever he tells me to do. What's the next step for you? Should we stand together? I'm wondering if the band could come up. Can we sing that song about um, no retreat? The one we were singing earlier, no retreat, more than concrete. Yeah, that line, that was, that was powerful. Let's sing that together. Let's pray before we sing. Lord Jesus, we just, we look to you right now and we want to remind ourselves of who you are. We want to remind ourselves that you are not defeated and remaining on the cross. You are risen from the dead. You are the one who holds the keys. You're the one who holds big keys in your hands because you're in authority over all things. And so, Lord, we just want to remind ourselves of that this morning as we uh, take this step of moving to the Odeon in the next year or so. Lord, as we look around and we see a really broken nation. We see a really broken nation, Lord. Just believe that there's some here that you, as I share that story about this young lad killed just a mile or so from here, you know, I cannot live with that. I cannot let that happen. I cannot let that happen. God's stirring some people. The next step for you is to start to pray intentionally for the young people of our town. And thing, things will develop from that, but the, the next step is to pray earnestly and intentionally for the young people of our town and things will be birthed from those prayers but Lord we're not we're not going to stand for that we're, we're not going to allow that to happen Lord we're going to Lord we're going to proclaim Jesus we're going to make the name of Jesus famous in Ipswich Lord we're going to take we're going to take the gospel and we're going to take it to this town Lord with all the energy you've placed within us we're going to proclaim that you are the king of kings you are in complete control lord come and stir us up come and stir us stir our sleepy hearts lord give us compassion lord we need compassion we really do lord break our hearts for this town break our hearts for this nation break our hearts for the continent of europe which is a spiritual wasteland right now break our hearts lord break our hearts Lord Jesus, you are enough. You are enough. Lord Jesus, you're the answer. Help us to take this answer to all that will listen. Help us to see lives transformed. Help us to hear testimony after testimony. Help us to see baptism after baptism of people who say, I didn't know Jesus. My life was a mess, but now I've come to see Jesus as the answer. We want to see that, Lord. We want to see that increasing measure. Stir us up, I pray. Thank you for listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. Please feel free to make a copy of this content, but please do not edit the content in any way.